Welcome back to Cast Me to Hell with me, Seb. And with me, Robbie. And this is our episode 56, and this is Poltergeist. We are uh, celebrating the 40th anniversary of this uh, Tobe Hooper uh, directed and Steven Spielberg produced kind of classic horror uh, from 1982. Um, Now, for me, this was a first watch. I don't know if you've ever seen it before, you both. Um, I have seen it before I, when I was a lot younger and I've seen parts of it for other years, but I'm not like fully, there were some scenes I really remembered. Yeah. And some scenes that I'd completely forgot existed. So yeah, it, it's, it's been a good few years since I've seen this film. Well, it, I mean, it's, I say it's the first time I've ever watched it, but it is quite, it's, I mean, it's a massive film it, i think it was made on like a i believe it was a 10 million dollar budget and it went on to make about 120 million so it was a it was a huge film when it was released um obviously it's you know it's got some big names behind it and there are some iconic scenes yeah that have, that have either you just you've you know growing up you always watch stuff like 100 greatest horror moments and stuff like that and quite often scenes from poltergeist to include it in it or there's films such as you know scary movie 2 which parodies some yeah, stuff yeah. so a lot of the scenes from this film has been parodied like a lot yeah uh, you know you've got parodies on in scary movie 2 you've got family guy american dad you've got all kinds of especially especially the um tree houses of horror yeah, things like that. Like the, a lot of the down made, but a lot of shows. Anytime they talk about ghosts or ghouls in any kind of format media, they end up coming back to. Um, I, I'm just thinking of a name of Zelda. Zelda Rubenstein's Tangina. Yeah, the, that that character South Park has a yeah. really good one when they're talking to dead celebrities. Yeah, and, you know, and um, it's. I think is it no, it's not Cartman, but it looks a bit like Cartman. <laughs> it's not Cartman who dresses up here, but still, it has that weird like. In all kind of media, anytime someone like is pretending to be like a, a psychic kind of possessed by something, in a lot of American shows anyway, you see this whole doing this kind of southern like twang, like yeah, get me their molasses. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that I, I actually found about this film um, whilst watching it because I, I think everybody knows the, the, the kind of the story of Poltergeist, you know, about a family's home and it's kind of about us. Uh, Kind of haunted house kind of film, yeah. Um, and obviously, the kind of thing. yeah, the invaders and the, the daughter is taken. Um, now, when, the first time I watched this, I always thought that that was that was it. Once she is taken, it's that's kind of towards the climax of the film. Yeah, me too. But it actually shocked me that that kind of the first she's almost taken at the end of the first act. Yeah, and then we kind of get. A lot of stuff that I didn't realize because you know films that are uh, I, that I would say um you know a lot more modern or only the past 10 15 years such as like insidious the conjuring yeah a lot of stuff where they bring a medium in and they have all of this stuff I I didn't realize happened in this film so yeah that very, whole yeah. middle or even I guess yeah mainly the middle kind of building towards when it has all of them come in yeah. I completely forgot that, that part existed or any of those characters came in. Say, I Apart from, I remembered the uh, the Tangina yeah. because I remembered that, but I couldn't remember how that came into play in the film. I thought that was just the very final act, which it kind of is. For her. Yeah. But the rest of the characters that appear in that part, I didn't remember that at all. And also the fact that possibly their most iconic scene 
is right at the very near the very beginning of the film yeah. when the girl goes and puts her hands up onto the TV and you start to get the static. Yeah. You know, that's that's on the poster. And it, you know, it and it is kind of the scene that people remember when she says, They're here. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, I did not realize that was so early in the film. Yeah. But, yeah. So 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 many of these that stuff happens. Um, and I kind of forgot that the characters almost get to a point where they've almost kind of the daughter's gone, but they're almost like my daughter's gone, so that's why they have to stay. But they also seem at times they seem weirdly at peace with the fact that one of their rooms is just full of like weird <laughs> stuff flying around. It's just like when most people would be like, I'm getting the fuck out of here, like they're like, no, which it, plot point makes sense, I guess, because their daughter is still embedded yeah. in the house. But there are like she's going to leave her now. She's gone now. Yeah, that's what <laughs> she's gone. She's the house's problem. She's the down. Yeah, um, no, that's what. That, I don't know why that was just bringing my head. Is the fact that you've got those characters in this house? You've had all of you know. I think we know. Like I'd like to think most people probably know the basic idea that you know these things start to happen. But weirdly, it does get to this point quicker than you think because the whole early possession stuff, like. Um, with the daughter and uh, you get the whole bit with like the, the the tree and the outside the like what they believe at first is like a tornado yeah that kind of thing and you get that iconic scene of the sun getting sucked into the tree like a kind of yeah like, the tree what we would kind of that makes me think of evil dead's kind of pulling except without the rape yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this would be a much darker film if it included that part if Spielberg hadn't been attached then that potentially good <laughs> yes I, Sam Raimi I believe produced the remake of the Paul, oh. <laughs> Paul Guest which I've never seen oh, man. Uh, which apparently isn't that bad um, it's, it is a little bit different in some ways but yeah it is the fact that they still keep the kid, their other kids around in the house for a long, t- longer than I expected them to. Yeah. It's a long time before they ship off the son in a taxi, which I don't know where it's going. And they just put a kid in a taxi by himself. <laughs> I don't think anyone nowadays would put a child in a taxi and their dog with a taxi driver and go, right, off you go. <laughs> yeah, take him wherever. <laughs> take <boy>. them wherever <laughs> they can, taxi driver. Um, but um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a weird that all of this kind of happens in a completely different order than I remember. Yeah. I literally thought that their daughter, like you said, was much more maybe towards the middle and the climax was trying to get her back. Not, yeah. The whole film is almost like, like kind of like, it's almost like a parallel of like losing your child and how they're kind of trying to find their way to get the child back kind of thing. Yeah. It's got a weird like abduction kind of weird vein for it. Yeah. Once for it have lost mixed in with this kind of, I don't know, because Tobe Hooper is involved and things like that, but I feel like there is an interesting line of the whole cons- consumerism with, at the big, very beginning of the film, they're all very obsessed with their television, or you have a bit with the dog that goes through the house and every room has a different kind of snack that they're, can, like, branded snack that they're yeah. eating on and things like that, and the dog's going through. I love the scene when he knocks the kid to the side so he can pull the bag of as they'd call it chips yeah that's awesome. and he goes off into the hole just to eat like eat the bag of chips I was like, thinking like that dog's like heart yeah. <laughs> and it's arches must be so clogged he's yeah, just yeah. gonna just start crawling and die halfway yeah, it just through. eats everything all day long around the house yeah great dog but um yeah, it has this kind of running through it that almost like it's the television is almost part of the whole idea that like almost as if that's what's taking us. It's what's taking us away from our family. And you got that yeah. you've got that slight line running through, which I don't really want to talk about a lot because it's just no. one thing that came into my head is like that's there. And just to reference, yes, recognize it. I don't think it plays as much part as we want no. as the interesting part of the story, which is 
I think what makes it stand apart, and there, there is an interesting um, part because um, I, I, I don't know how much you've read up on this film, but I'd, I'd heard like this before. This film partially, as much as the film is interesting, almost the events around the film are almost more interesting. Well, yeah, including the production of the film, not and not just the curse part of it, just the, the whole production, yeah. the production. So, like, and, it, and to be honest, that was. I mean, we're we're we're, we're jump into the production to start with. Um, yeah, but it was but it was recently very hotly disputed on Twitter yeah. um, because obviously um, Tobe Hooper is the director um, and Spielberg is closely attached to it, um, and it's it's one of these things where so I did a little bit of reading and obviously it said that. Um, because of his contract, he you know he was doing ET. Um, he wasn't yeah. allowed to do another film. Universal wouldn't let him do any other film. Yeah, but he was at that point when he was like trying to do multiple films at once. Yeah, very like the peak of Spielberg's creativity kind of thing. Yeah, and he wanted so you know he wanted to do a film, and then he you know eventually got Toe Hooper on, and they were uh, apparently it was supposed to be a semi sequel to. Close Encounters of the Third yeah. Kind, which this does have, it does have a very Spielberg feeling, but you can tell that because he's the producer. Um, and then, it, I mean, a load of the shots feel so like not just the score, yeah. but there's something about that family central feeling yeah. that Spielberg nearly always has in the majority of his films. And, you know, some, yeah, there's some that he like changes. You know, Schindler's List isn't really no. <laughs> and, you know, and Munich yeah. and stuff like that. He does teeter off sometimes. But normally when he's doing a big blockbuster, if it's a big blockbuster, then it's family orientated, yeah. big story. And, and a lot of the shots just feel very like Spielberg, the kids on the street at the beginning yeah. and stuff like, you know, I mean, those kind of things. Well, that's it. Somebody, you know, somebody put, um, uh, they, you know, went on Twitter. I mean, I know you don't run the Twitter I do, but on Twitter, um, people often just put up like a film that they're watching or something. And this guy put, watching Poltergeist directed by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Um, and then loads of people got on it about how it was Tobe Hooper. Yeah. And then um, obviously Tobe Hooper's passed away. And I don't think Tobe Hooper would be the kind of person to have Twitter anyway. Yeah. Um, but it got to people like Mick Garris and stuff like that who were on set mm. and they retweeted some pictures of it um, saying no Tobe Hooper directed. Yeah. Um, and then there were other people who, other filmmakers who have gotten there and said, yeah, you know, I've directed, but the producer has a lot of say mm-hmm. in it. And the, so I think the, the common misconception is that Tobe Hooper was the ghost director, you know, yeah. was the name and then Spielberg came in to direct. But I think it's, and I know there, there's a lot of stuff about people claiming about who directed, yeah. who didn't. Well, um, I think I think it has been like longly disputed by by actors, by, you know, yeah. in the film as well and by producers. Even some of the stuff that Steven Spielberg has said has been very widely kind of, because he wrote the story, yeah. Um, although Tobe Hooper was the one that said it because he wants to do an alien invasion, yeah. and he was like, "No, why don't we do ghosts?" Yeah. Kind of thing. So he had a hand in kind of crafting the story at the same time, although he doesn't get the story credit Spielberg does, and other writers are the ones that actually wrote the screenplay. Yeah, um, 
here you go, Michael Grass and Mark Victor were the ones, and Steven Spielberg wrote the screenplay. Um, but it was more the fact that a lot of the actresses and stuff, like there's one actress out there who said that majority of her scenes were all shot by Steven Spielberg, not by Toe Cooper. Yeah. And then they've got, um, it's widely believed that although Toe Cooper shot majority of the film, Steven Spielberg was basically there most of the time, like overseeing yeah. him, which, which some has producers a producer do that. Some producers because do. The, the, I, there are similar things where a lot of people confuse Gremlins because it says Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins with yeah. Joe Dante, but they said that he was very heavily on set because that's just the kind of producer that Steven Spielberg gets. Yeah. Um, however, it does have, you know, kind of skewing stuff like the fact that apparently Toe Cooper handed over his right, this is my cut of the film kind of thing. He kind of handed over, but he kind of left Spielberg and the composer and stuff was all, that was all Spielberg. Like the composer was kind of brought on by him and he did actually the final edit of the yeah. film. So it, there's a lot of things that kind of mix with that, like as whether like he yeah. really did it, like but, who did the mix. And I think you've also got the, the, but Steven Spielberg did come out in a statement before the film's release and say. It was. Tope. It was Tope. I was there. I, he did admit I was very hands-on. I was part of it. I helped. You know, it, he's even said that he did shoot certain things. But yeah. at the end of the day, it was Tope Hooper's film. And he I, shot it. He did yeah. the majority of all of that stuff. And I think a lot of people forget that... Um, sorry to cut in. No, keep go. A lot of people forget that um, this was Tope Hooper's first big budget um, film for an actual big studio. Because obviously before... You know, he did um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which we've previously covered. If you haven't checked the episode out, yeah, go and check it out. Uh, but then he also did um, Eaten Alive and The Fun House. Um, I know he did a, a couple of early films, but those are the kind of free horror films that he did, which yeah. were all relatively low budget and not for big studios. And then you've got Poltergeist coming in, which is... You know, fucking Steven Spielberg, who at the time was the big swinging dick, you know, um, <laughs> especially the biggest swinging dick. At, like, I mean, he probably still is the biggest swinging dick. In, like, if he wants to do so, he can do it. <laughs> yeah, you know. So it's no wonder. I mean, if so, the budget for the Fun House. I'm just looking into it. Was three million. Yeah. Um, I think we've eaten alive. The budget for that doesn't even. I can't even find a budget for that. And the budget for Texas Chainsaw Massacre was eighty to one hundred and forty. And um, that's thousand, isn't it? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not million. So going, you know, go your film before this is three million dollars. Yeah, and then and going. This is- and this is the guy more who, than trip. Yeah, this is the guy who's made close encounters and jaws and you know big budget, big budget. films. And yeah, they're not going to exactly go. Yeah, you've got full control, but. Um, yeah, you know, I think it is because because still Spielberg showed the interest that he wanted to direct it. Yeah. And therefore it sounds like he was so heavily involved. That's why it's kind of caused this kind of thing because a lot of people can imagine that still Spielberg is like, well, if I can't direct it, I can basically hire someone who I can basically tell what to do. Yeah. And they can just make my film, which at the end of the day, technically is still a producer. Kind of director. In a strange way, yeah. But Spielberg did make a comment. Um, in the in between production, saying basically that Tobe isn't someone who really is the he's not really the person who will take, take a stand or something. Or something. Yeah, yeah. Something so he, like he'll basically do. I'll come in and say stuff, and he'll basically say yes, which again kind of implies yeah. like basically that Tobe Hooper was doing a lot of stuff. And if you do look at Tobe Hooper's other films, the ones that I have seen of his, this is very different stylistically. But I think I think not just. 
But it that, does very much feel like it's Toby Hooper making a Spielberg film, but he still is making it. <laughs> yeah, he still. I would, you know, I would still say that it it is Tobe Hooper. Um, I'd also I say it's got darker elements. It's, yeah, it's got darker elements like that. Tobe Hooper Spielberg has. Like, yeah, but I'd say that's where Tobe Hooper shows his, you know, his real true like. Yeah. Some of those darker scenes, I just think, it just seems so much darker than anything I've seen in Spielberg. Kind of even like and, I know Jaws has its horrific moments but you don't really see it whereas yeah. in some of this you do see it like, yeah. which feels more hooper yeah the face ripping scene which is class the, which the, I didn't even know. the tree scene the tree or the, scene. The, the you know things like that they seem they don't seem spielbergish they feel no. hooper and and to and to an extent even the um some of the sub themes um, you know, I, I I know I can't really give us uh, no, I can't spoil a forty year old film. Yeah, no. But the you know the idea that um, the the swipe at you know corporate America with the fact that the you know it's about how you know new development of housing estates, the fact that yeah. they just they you know they they took shortcuts and they didn't get rid of all of the bodies or anything. They just got rid of yeah. the headstones to make way for that. For me, it came, kind of came off as a bit of like a swipe at the whole, you know, development. And that's what I meant, that. like earlier with the, like the TV and the consumerism. Part. Yeah. All of those themes. I'm not saying that Spielberg doesn't, but Spielberg's a bit more all American. He's a bit more like, isn't this the greatest country on earth sometimes? And some of his films comes across very like, I love America. Well, for- Whereas Tobe Hooper is very much. There's a lot of problems with America. Yeah. And that's where I think those themes, those consumerism or the, the real estate or the dirt on bodies, that all feels a little bit more. Those are the bits that make me feel a bit more like the commentary we've talked about, Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. coming through, where I feel like he did add a little bit of his own. Yes, he was a early director getting a big break from a big director yeah. who, yes, took a lot of control on the film. And yes, kind of was like, well, this still is kind of my film, but he was still allowed to have that little, and I bet you see that all the time nowadays. Oh, yeah. Anyone who makes a Marvel film, you're basically making exactly the film they wanted, but they'll give you a little bit of leeway to make a little bit of your own flair. Yeah. Until Eternals, when she was so popular, they were like, here you go. And people know how that turned out. So, you know, yeah. that stuff like that. Like, yeah. And we've got it for our history of not just those kind of films, but any films where, where you're a, bringing in a, a, a name producer, a name, but you're giving basically like not your first chance, but you're still not like at the point where they're going to give you a big budget film and be like, yeah, do, do it, whatever, do it yourself. And that has happened before in Hollywood and it has turned out horribly sometimes yeah. as well, where they've just been a first time director who didn't know how to control all of that major, yeah, the amount of staff you have, the amount of people you're working, the amount of stuff you have to do all at once. It, 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 would, it would basically be like me as a teacher walking in after <laughs> I've done like training for like a, couple, like a week at a university and going in and go like, right, you're the head teacher now. Yeah. <laughs> do it all. <laughs> like it just wouldn't make any fucking sense. Well, I mean, it... it... It, it kind of was for Tobe Hooper because after he went on to do Life Force, um, which I don't know if you've ever seen. No, it's no. a very interesting one. Um, one of our, our um, you know, horror podcast friends, uh, Scaring Sam, did an episode about Life Force, I believe. And it's a really weird kind of film. Mm. Um, very Tobe Hooper. Uh, but it was after Poltergeist, uh, was he, I think it was like three years after, um, and he got a budget of 25 million for that. Yeah. And then after, it, it was a big flop, and then after that he did, you know, he did a few other kind of 
I don't remember his budget him kind of went having any together. major big ones. That's no. Like, I mean, Portergeist is his Portergeist is probably his biggest one, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, it does have... I think Toby Hooper does have a, a certain charm that he brings to a film, you know? And whilst, yeah. whilst I think the main thing is that I think Spielberg is just such a big name and is quite a hands-on producer. So yeah. whilst I, you know, like you said, there's all sorts of claims by actors who were on it and then, you know, directors who were on it about who was doing what on different days. But, you know, I, I think it, it it is a Tobe Hooper film. And I think it's a discredit yeah. to say that it, it's all Spielberg. You're you know? right. You're not going to be someone in Tobe Hooper's position walk in. If if Spielberg comes in, someone who's pretty much, let's be honest, like he, he doesn't make many bad films. He knows what makes a good film. You're not kind of the person that's going to walk in and go, well, that idea shared it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> oh, Stephen, fuck off. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> Get off my set. <laughs> Go like, back to eating. That's a good way to be like, right, well, you're never working around yeah. here again, are you, mate? Yeah. So you get that. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, anything in Hollywood is a collaborative process. With most of the films where they end up being like complete shitbags, it ends up having where they're like, well, they're basically they forced me to do something I completely didn't want to do. Yeah. Or basically, or no one actually gave me any creative support on this. They basically just went, make it. Yeah, whatever. You've got no time, you've got no budget, just fucking make it. And then they were like, well, no wonder it's shit because no one ever tried to check on it or do anything yeah. to do. So, you know, at the end of the day, I d- and it, do- it sounds like Spielberg was just trying to make sure it was a good film. Yeah. And Tobe Hooper was listening and going along with it kind of thing. Yeah. So that doesn't mean it's not his. The um, I, One thing that pops in my head, I mentioned, um, which again, now I don't know if this was a, a Spielberg scene or, or a Tobe Hooper scene, because the style of it seems very Hooper. The, the, you know the face-ripping scene with Marty? Yeah, yeah awesome. Which is, like, really way more graphic than I expected to be because at that point, it's quite a... Fa- it's, it, it's so family-oriented. There aren't that many gruesome scenes in the film. No. And that one is, but that's... Apparently, Spielberg's hands are the ones ripping the face apart. Yeah. Because the actor said... They basically told him, this is really expensive and you've only got one shot to get it right. And the actor went... But I don't want to do it <laughs> like, because it was like that. So Spielberg was like, "Fuck it, I'll do it." Then, so he was there at that scene. So it, again, it kind of draws to your question, like, "Well, so you did that shot, but that seems like a very Toe Hooper shot, and yet you're the one doing well, it." Toe would but have been he's the one, the directing yeah. camera, and therefore Spielberg was kind of helping or yeah. being part of the process, but not necessarily. That doesn't still doesn't mean that he was the one controlling the process. Isn't yeah. interesting. Um, the other interesting tidbit because of that graphic and that probably is the most graphic scene in the film yeah um, by far because it actually lingers longer than I expected it to kind of thing yeah um, is the, the other interesting because as we said like we will we touch on the film as we go through but I think there's a lot of stories around this film that kind of make it more interesting yeah. to kind of tell it from that that kind of point of view than necessarily having to tell it through every scene in this film yeah uh, because it's a four-year-old film, you know. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. <laughs> yeah, you know, we don't need to tell you every scene that happens. No. Um, but the um, the the fact of the rating of this film. Yeah. Did you hit the really no. the rating? So this film was given when it was first sent to America's board of certification. Yeah. This film was given a R rating, so okay. basically fifteen or higher. Yeah. Um, and at this point in time, there was no PG-13, or over here what we have, 12A. Yeah. Was, 
their PG-13 came earlier than our 12. We didn't get 12-8 until like the early 2000s. So we had like, I think Austin Powers gold member was like the first. I think it was Spider-Man. I'm 90% sure. Because I remember watching an art, and this is in my brain. Because I remember wanting to see Spider-Man because I'd, I think I maybe just turned 12 that year or maybe I just turned uh, 10. And I was watching, um, yeah, and I was watching... um, Born Identity, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, either way, I was I was watching. I wanted to see Spider Man, and they said about uh, there was a scene where obviously he fights Green Goblin, and he's he's smashing Green Goblin's face into the yeah uh, into the church or into the into the windows, and it was like, is this suitable? You know, is this suitable for children? Is it not suitable? But either way, I was able to go and see it, and I was only about. 10 or 11 because they were saying it's kind of brutal yeah but there's no blood you know um i don't know spider-man was 12 recent it, it 12 was just before born okay. identity was the first one spider-man was 12 austin powers but i feel like these were all released close enough that that they, that they also got you could have got in on the 12a because they released it around this maybe. time because i remember going to see it. it says here the first ever 12 and there wasn't even a 12 certificate until batman in 1989 when they decided it was uh, you know to that but Billy Elliot got 15 <laughs> Billy Elliot yeah so that's that Billy Elliot if I was one of the ones that started the whole 12A in the UK because they were like well that doesn't really seem like it deserves it but because it has like one scene quite talking about like masturbation or something like that I think it, it was like bought the, yeah anyway. everybody's whacking off yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah Spider-Man yeah so Spider-Man falls within that I think you're right it's definitely it was I knew it was around 2002-2003 when it really I remember yeah. going to see Austin Powers gold member and being like oh I wouldn't have been able to see that if they hadn't just recently changed it you to jerked over Beyonce <laughs> in the cinema <laughs> yeah then they realised maybe we should turn it back it's the, these these boys are too young yeah. <laughs> um yeah um but Portuguese, so Portuguese was given an R rating um, at first. However, Steven Spielberg, being Steven Spielberg and Tobe Hooper, uh, it does say both of them. Again, interesting because those reports about them saying that Tobe Hooper basically handed over an edit and then walked away from production. Well, then why would you be fighting for the rating when the yeah. film's all finished and ready to be seen? So I don't, that's why I'm like, there's a lot of contradiction out there about this film. And I'm going to go with what Steven Spielberg said officially is that it's Tobe Hooper's film. Yeah. So, um, but the, the rating, so basically Steven Spielberg went to them and went, basically, oh, look, it's a, like a family orientated film. You know, it, it, it's yeah. all told, although it has some fantasy and things like that, it basically tied itself. It's all told from a family's perspective. So he used his old Spielberg family yeah. way to say, you know, this. And they changed it to a PG. Okay. So Pottergeist was a PG. I can't imagine it being Parental a guidance. Yeah. So basically films that are parental guidance nowadays, like uh, to this day, things like, I don't know, Wreck-It Ralph is a PG. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it like, may oh, have. I had, to, I had to ask in my school, if, if it's a U, I can show any U to children. But oh. if, it's a, if it's PG, I have to ask permission from the parents to show yeah. them a film like that. So I had to, we watched Holes. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Sheila yeah. Booth. Sheila Booth. And that was a PG. So I had to ask for permission did to show them. And no? Coraline as well. I had to ask for permission to oh, show really? that, which Maybe. is a little bit spookier. Did but, anybody say no? Nobody said no, likely. But it's still a weird thing. But still, so then put 
poltergeist into that category of yeah. all those Disney films and stuff like that. Or, and this was the same because there was no in-between rating. It was either you were a 15, 18 or you were a yeah. child's <laughs> film. I, uh, um, I as long as your parent was there to be a guardian yeah. kind of thing, which again, it, I guess it put it down to, right, you're the parent. You have to choose is this appropriate for your child. But it's still weird. And there's all these articles online about how people were like, Poltergeist basically scarred me as a child because he well, allowed yeah. me to see it. It's because parents were taking like you could take like a four-year-old to see Poltergeist, well, and that's it. And that face ripping scene is what rang in my head. It's like holy shit, that like yeah. that is the kind of scene I would expect to see in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, well, there's some. Uh, that's the thing. There's some scenes in it where. It, you could potentially say, okay, it, it's creepy, but it isn't down outright scary. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as the kind of ghosts come in, the, the, the here bit, obviously very creepy. Um, and then you, and then it, it kind of builds up. And even the thunderstorm where yeah. the tree comes to life and it's starting to swallow him, starting to swallow Robbie, the, the kid, I think his name is. Yeah, the, um, the skeletons in the... Well, the, the, that's later. Yeah, that is, but, that's the end. But there's, the clown. Yeah, the clown. But the, but the <laughs> bits that, you know, you could say, oh, yeah, maybe this could be a PG. That's, that's why I think it got done. away with it, because yeah. there's so much orientation. Like they said, there's so much orientation, like a Spielberg kind of film, like on yeah. the family... Um, and, and this is why a lot of people actually really liked this film is because it has, it's told much more from how the, how the family reacts to it than necessarily being yeah. directly about the horror. Yeah. Um, which is, it's, it's a good part. It's a good part of the film. We do actually follow through the parents. That's why I said it was kind of almost like following a, like a child abduction kind of thing. Cause you yeah. see what the parents are going through. Yeah. And I mean, you see that stretch, you see dad get more and more as if he hasn't slept a night in like months, yeah. kind of thing. Like the way he starts to look more and more warm out, whereas mum is kind of looking like any excuse to kind of avoid certain things at certain points yeah. and things like that. So it's kind of like that weird, like link between a reality and this kind of supernatural nature. Yeah. Um, I mean, the kind of the, the, the stat, well, like I said, by the time this has happened, it's only about half an hour, 35 minutes into the film, maybe. Yeah. And I where Carol Anger's missing. And I was thinking, what the fuck? There's still like an hour and 15 minutes left. <laughs> yeah, like, what is the rest of this Yeah, because I hadn't seen it. And then when we get the um, you know, when we get the paranormal investigators coming in, I was like, oh, I mean, I there don't get me wrong, there were some films in the in the 80s where they would have like a seance, yeah, or they would have stuff like that, but to my knowledge, 1982, having a paranormal investigator wasn't something that I was quite... I, I don't think anything springs to mind of having that. I, I've seen Busters. it. Go, yeah, but Ghostbusters <laughs> was after, maybe? I think so. I think that... Yeah. Was that 84? I think it was 84. Yeah. But either way, so. you know, having a paranormal investigator was kind, kind of quite ahead of the time. Yeah. Um. And then obviously you do get the the probably scene. Someone out there going, "What the fuck?" It's like seventies was like this. Yeah, or like, probably, probably was. Um, but for me, I mean, just watching it, it was quite ahead because a lot of the, the paranormal films I've seen of the seventies and particularly the eighties, there was one I was watching, um, the Changeling. Yeah, oh yeah, really that, that was another major like. Yeah, yeah. But that there's no paranormal investigator. There's a seance, and a lot of the other films I've seen during the seventies, there's a seance. Um, so this was a cool aspect, and then obviously you do the 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 face peeling scene, but even the, the bit that leads up to it, where you see the meat on the counter, kind yeah. of kind of like crawling. Oh, that that disgusted me. Disgusting, that, I, that's all part of that Marty sequence, isn't it? Yeah. Where he's, 
you seeing the, the 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 maggot starts spreading, it starts to bubble up, and um, it's fucking great. <laughs> he obviously has a face rub. The silk house happens, I'll see as well. I'm now blanking on. You see the steak, and it goes onto the floor. I swear there was silk house that was going. That yeah, I'm sure there. there is. But it, it's a whole. It's 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 the most disgusting sequence of the the film. But you're right. This is certain that although we've seen we have seen it for our time, and it's certain that definitely. At least, definitely, in say the uh, in the twenty in uh, twenty ten onwards, came back in a big star. This whole paranormal, anything to do with you know things like our uh, sinister conjuring, yeah. all of those kind of in- insidious, big like paranormal investigation kind of thing. But obviously, yeah. I guess we lived in the culture where we had things like uh, what was that TV Power show Max, and things no. like that. What's his name? Uh, well, we had loads of paranormal, like supernatural TV supernatural, shows, yeah. and you still have them where they Derek walk Akura. around. Derek Akura, yeah. <laughs> rip, 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 old boy. Yeah, he where he'd walk around the house and react to I don't know stuff that wasn't there. I, I've never been a believer in that kind of thing to be honest. So I just well, or at least not in those TV shows. Yeah, I think I, I think I, I, do I, I, I get, I get, but, I get some, I get some uh, supernatural disturbances. I do kind of get a part yeah. of that. But I never got those Derek shows because I was just like, why don't I watch a show where a guy most... walks around and gets surprised by a candlestick? Or, most haunted. Or where a guy basically like has to, I don't know if someone's like electrocuted to keep him going from the sofa. <laughs> oh, like, oh, yeah. a, oh my God, look at the corner of that wall. There's a light on it. Or, oh my God, a cobweb. Well, the best thing was, and this is a complete side story, but Derek Akora obviously did Most Haunted or something like that on a show. Yeah. And basically people were, were caught cottoning on that he might be faking it obviously we don't know we cannot confirm Derek's on the other side now yeah Derek um if you can hear if us, you, Derek, if you can hear us, us Derek, give us a side right now we're waiting um, but um if you can hear us Derek subscribe <laughs> um <laughs> I got it in there yeah there you go. um so but either way he was doing this one and people were cottoning on that he might be faking the producers and stuff so what they casually started doing was they made up a ghost or they made up like a, a woman whose name and it was an acronym of Derek is a faker. Yeah. And they started planting um, like her name and they started planting like people saying stuff near Derek and stuff like that. So that basically that when they filmed this episode, he would go in and he would ha- pretend to know, you know, just suddenly hear all of these experiences and stuff like that. And then they, I think they confronted him on it. And I think he ended up getting sacked from the show or something like that. But it was a really funny thing that they were just like, oh, I think this guy might be faking it. So <laughs> they, they they got Derek a call with a sting operation, you know? Yeah. Rip Derek. Um, but yeah, I think that that whole kind of element is it, being brought into this film is great. And yet again, it was something that I didn't expect. Um, no, no. It, 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 it's, it, it's definitely a, a, an interesting in part of the, the film weirdly i yeah i know i enjoy i because i i'm not always a biggest fan of these kind of stars but as i said before i i like because this is more about the family and stuff like that and it's more about the effect and it feels like uh, i do like the the spielberg style nature of it at times as well though to be honest i like that's kind of what draws it in a little bit more for me when it's very clean it's the character it? like yeah. the, the character kind of shines through in certain scenes and you get these interesting parts, especially with the daughter, like speaking to them through the TV yeah. and that kind of, it's all around them. Um, 
I like the, those elements of the film. Um, weirdly enough, it is actually, because it's been parodied so much, like I said before, it is that Tangina part that I just couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't. I take couldn't it take it seriously. I don't, I don't know if it was saying about the actress with a Southern accent, that even then I don't know if I could, because that whole part just suddenly felt like, I don't know, it just suddenly felt really out of place to me. Like It felt like it didn't add a lot to the film. It felt like she was there to do these moments, but all she was there to do was kind of just, oh, this is just the final scene where they managed to pull her out and they've brought in this character to be the one to be the one, like, basically doing the ceremony. Yeah. But I feel like they just choose, chose a little bit too much. It, she just seemed a bit ludicrous to me, to be yeah. honest. It just all seemed a bit silly. And um, it was definitely a part that took me out. But again, it's probably because I'm because watching of the parody, it yeah. and I've seen so many parodies. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? Like they parodied so many characters. An American Dad, they did this whole like where he's acting like her, which is all about like the wife having like supernatural orgasms or things <laughs> like that. Like, so I just could not take her seriously as this no. kind of little like and, and not only that like the southern accent i just always find hilarious in any form <laughs> you know <laughs> the old like uh foghorn leg horn well, yeah. i say i say i say i say <laughs> um but no no i was kind of with you why one thing i really did like about the film is it kind of had this had like a almost like a fake out ending you know yeah where, yeah yeah um i i, I even forgot that damn I, knew, me. I knew certain things happened like um i knew i knew that she ended up in that pool of bones and stuff like that because i knew i'd heard like again there's a nice we'll get to the curse of backstory in, yeah. in a second but like i liked i knew that came and i was like that actually didn't happen i was like am i just misprinting am i thinking of a sequel even though i'm sure i've never seen any sequel to poltergeist yeah but yeah i was just like am i getting this wrong in my head i'm sure the scenes in this or i was sure the clown did something more than just sit there creepily yeah like that one <laughs> but, the, but the clown is is really well done because it's it's built like so well early in the film that you by the time we get to the I'm calling it the fake out ending, you yeah. know, even though, you know, but by the time we get to it, you've like almost, the storm's over. Yeah, the storm's we over. It, we think this is it. You've we'll almost forgot about the clown. Yeah. And then you're like, where's the clown? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the whole, the, you know, the part with the beast and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm with you, I think, to Gina, Tangine, whatever they're calling her. I was a bit like that as well. I was a bit like, it kind of took me out a little bit. Um, I don't know whether she was thrown in as like a comedy character. I don't really know, but it kind of... Threw... I don't know. It, it didn't come across that like they were trying to be comedy, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. It just... And it also, I've got to be honest, by that point, I did... Although I liked the supernatural investigators, yeah, it suddenly started to feel like we'd had such a long period of the film with them in it that now bringing in another person to deal with this, it... It felt too long, even though I love the, like you said, the fake out and the yeah. what follows the fake out is actually great. Like this, the final scenes are really strong. Yeah, awesome. um, it's that section of the film almost with the investigators where at first I like the fact that they're in there and we're getting stuff in the Marty scenes, fantastic and yeah. stuff like that. But when um, I can't remember what the lady is, the basically the lady says she's going away. Yeah, and then. And then, although she seems to go away for no time at all because she's back in the next scene. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she she says she's going away, and then she's there. It's like, and now we're bringing in someone else. It's like I feel like we've done this now. Like I feel like we need to wrap it up. Yeah. Instead, we get this extended sequence with this new character who you feel like, well, you've got you've not been in the rest of the film. You're only in it 
I feel like she's only in it for about five or ten minutes at most. I can't. Like, there's a not. It's not a long period of time between her coming in and then opening the portal in the closet and stuff like that. And it also gets. It starts like some of these films can. These supernatural ghost ones, where it starts to get a little bit too into the point where you're just making up rules and exposition for what these ghosts can do or how these ghosts. Yeah. And she's that character. And it's the character I always hate in any of these films. I hate in the insidious films, the woman. What, Lynn Shea? Yeah, I don't like her. I I think she's all right. Like, she 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 looks like a creepy person anyway. But I just, I hate this character that comes in and comes in with all the rules of the paranormal and the ghosts and the stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I get it. But all you're actually going to do is you're going to be the person that talks to them and you're going to be the person that brings it out or creates it. And it's the same every time. I guess it's the problem is almost you... I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm time, wrong. On this, but you it need... would have been new. Yeah, at the time it would have been new. It's but... oversaturation now. Of yeah, that style of character. I just think that might be waning beyond it. But, but I, you almost need that exposition character in a way. You, you do, know? but it was because they already have like four, three other characters yeah. that could have done this, and then they bring in this extra character just to be the no, it's the beast. Ah, oh, what's going on? Kind of seven yeah. like. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say, it's the yeah. beast. <laughs> And the beast don't want you I say, I say, there's a ghost in your closet. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> that little girl screaming up to me. And she's got, and he's got like a frying pan. Yeah. He's gonna try and get the beast for that. <laughs> he's still got the big glasses and wearing a wig. Oh yeah, <laughs> wearing a wig. Well, Foghorn is known for wearing costumes. <laughs> um, but no, I think like the you know the bit where they get back and then it, everything kind of settles. Um, was yeah, it was almost because basically, like I said, this is the first time I've watched this film. Um, it was late at night when I watched it. Yeah. Um, so we started watching it. Anna fell asleep, and I was like, you know, I'm sure we carry on watching it. Um, and because it was it was so late, I was kind of like, okay, it's like it, the the film's wrapping up, you know. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, you know, maybe the bits with you know, with the bodies and the bits with the clown. Maybe it happened earlier, but because I'm oh, a bit maybe tired. Just thinking a scary movie or yeah, something. Yeah, maybe I don't know. You know, <laughs> but I was thinking maybe I was like, you know, maybe I've already seen it and I missed it because I looked at my phone. Yeah, or something, I maybe. was thinking at one point had I missed it in the uh, when he was searching for Caroline in the pool yeah. early on after the storm. That's what I was thinking. I thought, oh, maybe I did see. It. Maybe the mum did fall. And I just missed it. Or something yeah, like I was thinking I just missed it. And then when you know uh, when. Uh, the dad isn't there and it is just um it's just diane and you know with the kids and the beast comes back um and it kind of pushes her into the backyard and then we have the um not only do we have the bodies coming up because i knew about the bodies coming up yeah, yeah, yeah. but we that that was quite a scene where i was like oh that's a bit icky but yeah. the worst was when she was calling out and then the coffins came up i thought that was a beautiful looking scene oh yeah, yeah. and that actually got me because i was like, oh fuck i didn't expect this yeah and then they open and i think there's the whole body there, yeah. the bo- and you start to actually have the bodies in front of her and then yeah so uh, yeah so uh, as part of our like as we get into it i i love that the fact that we don't we don't know what's true about it do we like the uh the classic are those real bones? Yeah, that so was, that's a rumor. Right? That's that's one of the is that Spielberg had actually allowed them to use real bones because real bones it was cheaper to get real bones, which he was like, "There's loads of real bones," 
Whereas to make plastic ones for all of those skeletons was going to cost way too much money. Yeah. So they just used real skeletons. And then that led to the curse. And it added to the, the curse of Poltergeist. The curse. So um, I know, like, so one of the things that led with the, with the curse, like part of the curse, but part of the inspiration for Poltergeist um, was, I've got a few of the places that inspired, apparently, okay. the idea of it. So... Uh, in Denver, there's a place called Chessman Park. It's a beautiful city park, apparently. Prestigious residential neighbourhood. It has those big green lawns and all these Greek columns and very, like, guys like, the, the style that they went for with the film. Yeah. And, um, and it was also the site of Denver's first graveyard. Okay. And when the park was built a century ago, the bodies were supposed to be dug up and buried elsewhere. But as in the film, the headstones were removed, but the corpses were left in place. Okay. So they're all underneath the park, Um, the park area and the housing area that's there. And to this day, there may be as many as 2,000 skeletons beneath Chessman Park. Okay. And uh, spooky accounts of ghost sightings and haunted homes and probably Derek Akora have been (laughs) called out throughout the neighborhood (laughs) over the years. Um, and apparently that was part of the inspiration for the movie Changing in 1980. Okay. Um, and then there was also an Indian burial ground unearthed in 1969 during the construction of a supermarket uh, in Los Angeles in Gora Hills, uh, which is a suburb. Um, and uh, yeah, apparently that's buried underneath there, which was discovered in the digging, but they still believe there's more left underneath. There's still yeah. more bodies. And uh, that's where they ended up building a, uh, a giant supermarket there. Mm-hmm. But uh, Paul Geist filmed right by that area. Okay. So it's the, the housing area is part of, obviously part of its sets, but some yeah. of it's actual houses. And part of it filmed was on that okay. street that is around that Indian burial ground. And they yeah. believe, although they found it in the supermarket, they'd only dug up the supermarket part. They believe it may stretch, could stretch. all around the area. Yeah. So there's that classic, uh, ooh, is that creature all under there who's hiding under the yeah. uh, who's hiding under that so yeah um yeah it's 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 interesting so a lot of people would know about this kind of the curse yeah um well this these is a part of it like the, the the burials and stuff it's a relation to the bodies and the idea that they actually use skeletons or yeah they, that's what they I've filmed heard. on places with skeletons which makes people believe that there was a curse now some films have curses and we haven't done an omen episode <laughs> it's just uh, like like it's a fact like, yeah some films have curses. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some films have, what I meant was, some films have curses, which, I don't know, some of it seems really, truly, like, spookily, eerily fit. So, the Omen one, which I'm not going to tell you in details, because we're going to do an episode on the Omen, and we will talk about all those curses. But that one has deaths and stuff that are so weirdly related that it's creepy. Whereas, I'd say a lot of the deaths in this one are... One, they're not completely just to do with this first film anyway. It's more of the trilogy of the film, the people that appeared in them. But most of the deaths just seem a little bit just randomly coincidental well, to actors that were just in the films. Yeah, but they're quite they're tragic. Um, Horribly tragic. Them, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the most weird one, obviously, is the fact that Heather O'Rourke, yeah. the, uh, Carol, dies, died after not long after filming the third in the yeah. trilogy. Which I think, did she do a cameo in the third, maybe? Or I can't remember. I think she was in it, but they had to add some extra seats. They had to kind of work around yeah. that kind of thing. Some people say that they cut it. Some people say that she was already done. Her mum said that she was already done filming it. Yeah. So she doesn't know why they say that there's a stand-in. As in like, but they say in a lot of scenes, you only see the back of her, like a little girl with blonde hair, not the front kind of yeah. thing. So that's what led to people to believe 
but they kind of said that no, she wasn't still filming the film. She'd finished that long ago before she died. Yeah. Um, she died of uh, cardiac arrest related to a, an operable bowel syndrome that yeah, hadn't been that. discovered. Um, and you know, and, and, it, and it's tragic that she was 12 years old when she died, and it's, yeah. it's, it's a horrible tragedy. Um, and you know, it's because she was on that and she was filming a film about spirits and stuff like that. Like, yeah, there was a link, but I guess it's not so much just hers, it's the fact that four people were lost in a similar time frame, all related to the production, yeah. uh, that kind of made it more this curse of it. Plus, you know, they said that there were weird things that would happen on set sometimes, but I couldn't find too many of them. The people that say it, but I can't, I couldn't find many specifics on things that actually really happened apart from like that people fell off when they had the skeletons that apparently yeah. were real and and that there was one bit where one of I think one of the I think the uh, I think the mother said that she was close to drowning when she was doing that scene and things like that. Yeah, um, well that's it. I mean, I know there's a there's a documentary on Shudder, I believe called um called uh Cursed Films. Yeah. Um and Poltergeist is one of them. I probably should have watched it before. <laughs> I think, like like we said, it doesn't. I've heard. I I remember distinctly many many years ago. Um, so this is another little side story. But when I was about twelve, maybe thirteen, fourteen, um, I got my own little box room, and I got my own. I got my first TV. And on <laughs> Friday, box room makes it sound like you were like Harry Potter, Harry Potter under the stairs, right? Because you're English, and yeah. that, therefore now, right now, all of our American or any other listeners are thinking, right? So it's Harry Potter, it's Harry Potter, yeah. You were locked a in a room, but you had a TV, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was kind of like uh, I, I, I would love watching things on Channel Four, and one there was a series of cursed films, and I watched one about the Omen, which was very creepy and stuff like that but yeah you know when i was trying to look into the curse of this film it was only really that the that there were four cast members who died kind of during or soon after the film but like it says you know heather walk that was maybe five years later um dominique dunn who obviously played the older sister diane freeling um you know was was murdered by her her um, separated partner uh, John Sweeney in 1982, yeah, yeah. uh, which is obviously, um, which is obviously tragic. And apparently, she was rumored to be reprising her role in the second one. And it was shortly before they were set to film that she got killed. Um, but then there were there were two, um, Julian Beck and Will Sampson. Um, but I don't think they were in this. They one. were in no. Julian yeah. Beck was in Portable Ghost Two. Uh, and the, uh, I think they're both in Portal Guys too. And they, theirs were basically just cancer. Yeah, they were just you know they were they were standard natural. And I believe even Zelda Rubenstein, who's that, been asked a lot about it. She's she's dead now. She died in 2010. But even she said like it's all just a bit coincidental. They're just deaths that people yeah. die. You know what I mean? Like sadly, the two of the younger children that were in the film died at quite young yeah. ages. Is, is sad and tragic, and those ones and those ones are much more leading to this idea of a curse. Yes, but uh, the other two are just coin like they're just yeah, like two actors. It's like it's, who, it's like being years after a film and being like, yeah, yeah. all these actors. It's like me. It's, my, it's like me looking at certain like I don't know, My Fair Lady in like the nineteen thirties ago. Did you know there's a curse? Because <laughs> yeah. all those actors are dead now. Yeah. What? <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. no, I think um, it's you know. 
That's it. I think I've seen. I I haven't seen Poltergeist two and three um, or no. the remake. I think I will plan on watching them um, because there is an element of continuity. Yeah, I'd um, like to check them out. I've, yeah, I've never. I've I've heard nothing. Like, yeah, I've heard nothing. Like, I've heard Poltergeist. It's not like exorcist when i heard that one of the the i heard the third one one's is, better than uh, the yeah it's fantastic like, i heard yeah. the third one's fantastic but I, and again i've heard the second one's good um and i've seen the 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 preacher who julian beck plays yeah um so i know that julian beck was it was an elderly man um so you know an elderly person passing away whilst unfortunate isn't isn't you know unexpected like um you know heather o'rourke dying or, or um or Dominique Dunn, you know, yeah. who, were, who were young, you know, especially have a walk, you know. It, it's only certain, yeah, it's only been certain, like there's certain actresses and certain actors, I think, or certain set people that have just, it's, it's only very like um, <coughs> Joe Beth Williams, who was the, the mum, and yeah. she seems to be quite outspoken on the film quite a lot, saying, yeah, she's the one that said quite often, like, Spielberg was filming a lot of our stuff. And, yeah. But she said things kind of almost anti the film at times quite okay, often. Really? So, And she's the one that said a lot because she wasn't comfortable in that skeleton one because she wasn't told about it. So she said yeah. she kind of didn't like Spielberg anyway and things like that. Yeah. So that's why I think she wanted to put more of the frame on him because she wanted to basically say that he wasn't doing good things. Yeah. Um, she said that she had, um, she'd come to set and pictures on her wall were crooked and that she'd realign them, but they'd become crooked again five minutes later, which, I don't know, if they're, you're on a set, yeah. they're on a set, things are going to move around, bumped about, or maybe just one of the roadies is fucking with you. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's in, they intentionally were supposed to be. Yeah, crooked. exactly. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> Whoever's the art director was like, who the fuck is Who's doing on? this? Yeah. Like, yeah, it was like, you're, if she's on the actual set, I'll be like, it's a fucking scene where the supernatural is yeah. going to be shaking the Who house. They're meant this? to be crooked, you bastard. <laughs> yeah. um, Zelda Rubenstein, the Tangina, claimed that she had visions of her dog telling her goodbye. Wow. <laughs> well, that's fucking funny to me. She, had, she claimed that she had a vision of her dog telling her goodbye and that the actress's mother told her hours later that her dog died that oh, day. <laughs> I should have finished reading. You should have before notes. started laughing. <laughs> before I started laughing. Because now it's I not, have... A... But it's not funny to laugh at dead dog. No, but now the I... The image of a dog telling me goodbye in a vision was just a... I don't know. Well, I have an image of, you know, like when the vo- when Homer Simpson voiced that character and then they killed him. Poochie. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go now. Yeah. I'm just floating off. <laughs> That's the image I'm having. Because you laughed before... Because I laughed before finishing. A tragic tale. The one, uh, Oliver Roberts, who played Robbie Free, uh, Robert Freeland, the son, yeah. um, he dismissed any notice there were actual supernatural on set. Though. He said he'd never heard any of this, like, at the time, or anyone told... Although he was a kid at the time. <laughs> so yeah. they probably aren't going to go up to the town and go... It's haunted. <laughs> Someone moved these pictures. <laughs> My dead dog said <laughs> I had a vision of my dead dog. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, uh, Rip Dog. Rip Dog. Um, I'm sorry, Zelda Rubenstein. Yeah, so, uh, rip you, Rip, rip Dog. You. But yeah, Oliver Robbins. I think he he quit acting shortly after this. Well, he's the one that. Yeah, I mean, if you get yeah. strangled by a clown doll, you hit the peak. Yeah, that's it. But that is <laughs> apparently that terror. Like it's, it's one of the things where he was generally fucking scared out of his mind. Like apparently they kind of. 
they talked to them about it, but they didn't make it clear exactly what would happen. So then when they wrapped things around him and they had the animatronic, because it was animatronic, yeah. but Joel, apparently he was fucking terrified out of his mind. Apparently that had like severe nightmares and stuff <laughs> afterwards and stuff like that, which I'm not surprised. Yeah. Some people hate clowns anyway, but he's probably spent his whole life like, wouldn't be surprised if we heard that he like went around and massacred clowns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, what it did uh, to him as a child. But that scene is, you know, is, is incredible. <laughs> like, I know we've taken a big tangent, but that whole fake out ending where you know she she falls into the pool and then the the skeletons kind of um the the clown is grabbing robbie you know it's so kind of i oh, don't yeah. know you like i said earlier the clown is planted so early that you kind of forget about it and then when it hits you're like oh fuck yeah and, and clowns are fucked anyway i did forget because i was expecting uh, this is the scary movie 2 effect yeah so <laughs> if you haven't seen scary movie 2 there is a clown that is almost exact looking of that yeah. doll um except the difference is that the clown is a rapey clown who tries to grab people and strangle them but also he try, like uh, it, it's implied at one point he tries to do so to one of the women that seems a bit more like kill them or, or like something with his long tail, which is more like a long penis. But then yeah. he gets he gets Ray. He gets, <laughs> he gets Ray, which is a who says amazing. he has a similar effect. Yeah. He can do that, he can do that as well. And except it's his penis <laughs> yeah. that stretches out and wraps around <laughs> the clown's neck. That is awesome. You basically get what is implied is an insertion scene <laughs> where the clown goes from scared to a big like oh face. Yeah, it's that scene is incredible. Man. <laughs> those those first two, so fucked up. It's those so first funny. two scary movies. There are some so people bad. that would probably be like, "Oh, that's fucking terrible nowadays." If they watched it, but it's it, it was so funny. Yeah, those two scary movies are goat, man. Yeah, they, so are. they are so good. Um, they, they just work so well. Yeah, but then um, I, when they, you know, when I think going back to the very end, you know, when um, when <laughs> Dad Stephen does a tur- does turn up with the, you know, his boss, the real estate guy, and the whole house is in mayhem. Um, and then they find out that only the, you know, only the uh, gravestones were moved. Then we get that iconic line, which is, um, you know, um, you didn't move the bodies, which is just, yeah. it just hammers it home. You While know? the whole house is imploding, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's so cool. I, I thought the bo- I thought the bo- his boss was actually, because it has this like blast that goes out and throws the back. Yeah. He gets hit with so I thought that was him getting killed at first i didn't realize he was just getting knocked down but the whole the whole visual part of that the, the yeah. effects across this film are like really good it's an, like a, another bit i found really interesting was the way they create things like with the tree with robbie at the beginning like him getting sucked into it they created the yeah. effect by doing it backwards okay yeah so he was coming out of it that makes not sense. going into it so yeah. they just reverse the footage so instead of it looking like that he gets you know backwards yeah. into it um but the house one is like at the time was one of the most expensive special effects really? that they'd ever done. I'm not surprised. Um, so yeah, it it, it um, the hat clousing uh, hat, <laughs> not the clousing hat. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The collapsing house effect at the end. Um, it was a two hundred fifty thousand pounds to do it, and they basically had one chance to get it right. Oh, um, it's a the house implodes and that's apparently all it said in the script was and the house implodes which yeah. cost that one sentence basically they called it the 250,000 sentence because it's like well how the fuck do we do an imploding house it's, yeah. this isn't the time of CGI or it's like 
it's not and imploding is the different is not the same explosion we could do that easy yeah blow up a little model but apparently just to create the model itself costs so much most of the cost was that so like yeah right this is already costing too much how are we going to make this house basically get sucked into a vacuum um so the implosion was accomplished using a six foot model of the house with cables attached to the side and a vacuum mounted beneath the floor okay as the cables pull the walls down and the vacuum sucked up the debris, a camera filled the destruction at 300 frames per second. So like, so they could really like that. Cause when it's the faster the frame rate tends to be the slower the image kind of plays yeah. through. Um, and more than 12 times normal speed. The first time the footage was played back at standard 24 frames per second. So the site slowly disintegrating the house. Yeah. And it made the studio projectionists like gasp at how, like, fucking hell, how have you achieved this? Um, that, and uh, that's on my notes, but I know it said on the thing. It wasn't just that. So they yeah. sucked it into this vacuum with the explosion happening around it. They also had shotguns. So this, you hear like a, like a Boom, the, the yeah. ba- ba- booming sound, that shotgun. Apparently they had four shotguns that were shooting into it at the same time <laughs> to create that effect. As it all got sucked to this vacuum, it literally got basically ripped into the yeah. bricks. The house, that 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 hundred thousand plus six foot model that they had to create, gets sucked into this thing. And apparently, Steven Spielberg has that um, had it preserved all of the debris into like a perspex top that is at the top of his piano. At his house. Oh wow! <laughs> so he has all of that weird debris that was created because it was such an expensive shot. He's like, I'm keeping that. Um, it is incredible shot. It does, it looks completely. It looks like it, like there are so many ways that could have been a terrible shot. Yeah. Because it could have been so fake looking. Like obviously there are a few bits that are a bit dated, like the the arms that come out of the TV and, and then the face scene. It looks or the tornado, yeah, like yeah. In the background, like you, that. That's the classic style of imposing, like yeah. an image on an image, which nowadays just doesn't always hold up. No. But that scene, like all the way to it getting sucked into a basically a black hole, is just like holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. And having ev- and imposing that onto it with everyone looking around it, I was like, well, it's two hundred fifty thousand, but it was money well spent for what is such a big finale. Yeah, because it is. It, it, it feels so much more like I, I think that's why I felt a little bit disappointed before it got to the fake out because yeah. I was just like. Comes a bit of a uh, yeah, she's back. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, because they Life's just go normal the and they're yeah. moving out. I get it. Like <laughs> yeah, but that ending where it's like, no, I'm not even just moving out. I'm leaving this town completely. Like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> and not only that, but like, I mean, so this we've watched this effectively for the first time, um, forty yeah. years later, and we kind of have been spoiled by CGI and by this, such a, a big advancement in filmmaking, yeah. film production. You know, uh, like recently, I finally watched um, Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah, before yeah. it was awesome and really cool. Um, but you know, imagine watching this in you know in the cinema back then. Yeah. It would have been incredible, and oh, it yeah, still yeah. is incredible to see. You know, it's it just is. so beautifully done, and the fact that they had one shot at it. You know, you always hear about directors <laughs> saying like, "We had one shot at yes. this," and it, the way that it worked so well. It's just awesome, man. Just, yeah. And it's the scary notion of the idea of that you've ever got like, one shot to get that right. Like, if that house had just half of it, it accidentally just, like, broken apart, but the other half stayed, then that's 250 grand. It's like, we have to rebuild that entire fucking model. Yeah. Or we just have to get rid of this 
completely out of the film and just say like the house blows up. Yeah, the house. <laughs> like blows the house just blow the fucking house up. Or they just leave the house. They li- yeah. Apparently, they literally said it would have actually ended up cheaper to try and implode a real house than it did yeah. to do the model. The model actually cost more <laughs> to make design to make it look real than it would have been to just somehow get a giant huge vacuum and just rip apart. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's such a yeah. crazy thing that that. Um, but yeah, it, it completely adds the effect of how this film has kind of held yeah. up over time. Um, it, it's <clears throat> for a first time viewing as well, yeah. But also, imagine, like you said, being in the cinema. And now imagine being three years old, yeah, <laughs> watching someone's face and get ripped apart, That'd be or awesome. get, watching a house get torn to pieces and the well, little children getting bought, like taken, taken or sucked by a tree, <laughs> yeah, uh, sucked yeah. in by a tree. Yeah, that could sound wrong. Um, um, well, I'm just gonna just before you make your next comment, my friend, I'm gonna h- jump over to the social media quickly. Um, so obviously you can you can follow us on Twitter at CMTH Podcast and Instagram. Um, so I put out there, you know, what are people's thoughts on this films? Um, and we needed roads uh, at needed roads podcast. Um, you should go check out put the you know bloody love podcast po- podcast <laughs> bloody love podcast one of the best horrors of all times um you didn't move the bodies and the mirror scene and the tree scene and then of course the here the classic um and then i spit on your grades um so that's an absolute classic blockbuster meets scare maze and that cloud is one of the creepiest things of all um and they actually did it for the first ever episode they kicked off with poltergeist oh, so cool. and it's a pretty cool good film to kick off with um, because it is, it's, it's such like a classic film. Right? It's, yeah. For me, it's good to be able to say that you know I can tick it off the list and say, yeah, I've seen Poltergeist. I, I enjoyed it, and I want to watch two and three. Now, yeah, I want to have a look at see what they're like. Um, yeah, because I, I believe the only my, my only back is that I believe that the Tangina like character becomes more in the sequence. Yeah. Which as I say that was one of my only things, but that's more due to time. But uh, it does. Like I absolutely agree. It's it's held up so well. I I, I love. I kind of I kind of like the fact, and we've talked about that dispute, but I kind of feel like it has some really good family orientated character stuff that is very Spielberg that makes it that heightens it. But yeah. also, it has some darker elements that I don't believe that Spielberg would have created. So I believe Hooper's had that defect, and some of those work so well. I mean. I wouldn't put this on a family-friendly horror list. No, definitely like, not. <laughs> I believe over here it's now deemed a 15. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's definitely not that family-friendly. Um, it lulls you into it, but that's kind of what's brilliant about it. It lulls you into a sense of thinking that it's going to be quite tame horror. It does, doesn't it? But it really starts to build at certain points in the film that does become quite terrifying yeah if you hate clowns you'll absolutely fucking hate this film probably um if you hate anything supernatural it has a really interesting way and it also the whole the fact that the child is taken into the other world yeah is an interesting one that i've not really seen in any other horror done or at least not done well not yeah where this is a very like you know we've kind of lost her but we're able to communicate with her so it kind of keeps this sense of like it's it's more of a attention filled film that it is yeah. you know and it's not it's not a constant scarce but it is really interesting the way that they approach the idea of you know invaders coming through from another world kind of coming yeah. through there 
and the nice way they've kind of skewered that from its original alien kind of invading the world. Yeah, I mean, it would have been interesting to see an alien film. Um, yeah. I love third close encounters of the third kind. Yeah. And I, I love... I, I like I that. I'm surprised that they never made it because the idea of the aliens coming through originally was this similar kind of thing. It's like somehow the aliens are... The portal is coming through their house. Yeah. And, you know, it, but it is more based on just the family from that perspective, unlike the kind of the mix in the original where you've got obviously family is essential because it's Spielberg film, yeah. but you've got like a wider world, but this time it's more like they're dealing with it as if it's a mix between alien and supernatural. And you yeah, don't know it's which. I feel like there, there was an interesting idea in there that could have worked where you're like, is it, is it ghosts? Is it aliens? Is it, what is it kind of thing? Yeah. Um, but I guess if you're thinking, because we know it's poltergeist, you know, it's more you know supernatural, it's supernatural, but you it could have definitely been played up more to be like, we don't actually know what this is. Kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. But it's a 40-year-old film, so everyone knows what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you got any more comments before we wrap up? No, no, I feel I, I'm very happy with the way that all of this has come together. And then I do find films like this, I, 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 I much prefer talking about films when they've got a little bit more meat on the bones to talk about in, in terms of outside of the film. No, definitely. And it, I think the next film we, we will be talking about does have a little bit does have quite a good bit of meat on the bones as well. It does. So we'll, we'll, we'll tease them with that for next week. Um, anything else? That's it, I'm done. Beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, as always, we, um, we hope you enjoyed the show. We thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed it, then uh, leave us a lovely review and tell a friend and hit the subscribe button. You can find us on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram at CMTH Podcast. Come and let us know what you thought about Poltergeist. And we will see you next week where we are celebrating another 40th anniversary. And until then, we will, uh, we will see you soon. And goodbye.